So where have I been? You know, one of the things that I've, for lack of a better term, prided myself on since I started the By the Fire podcast is being consistent. I was releasing an episode every week. I should say a chapter every week. There were very few times, there have been very few times, when I've been late releasing an episode. There's even fewer times where I've missed a week. In the past, if I've been late, I've always tried to make up for it by releasing like a bonus episode as sort of a, sorry, I was late, um, because I respect your time, I respect your um, the fact that you would even use any of your God-given time, your most precious commodity, to listen to this podcast. So I would try to do my best to bring more value to you. Times when I would miss a week, which again have been very few over the last couple years, I would always put out an Instagram post or a Facebook post or something of that nature or make an announcement um, in the previous week's podcast, hey, nothing's coming out this week, so I'll be back the week after. Something like that. Like if I finished a story, needed a couple weeks before the next one, something like that, or had a major life event. Again, this happened very seldom. So the fact that I've been away for a month, over a month, as I record this on October the 15th of 2022, the last episode I released was on September 11th, an ominous date, but nonetheless, that was the last time I released a chapter. So what happened? For that, I'll have to take you back to late June of this year. My wife and I and some of our friends from our church went on a missions trip to a wonderful place called Lima, Peru. Now, why did we go there? Well, we uh, have a missionary who's there. What I mean by that is our fellowship that our church is a part of, we believe in church planting, and so not just nationally, but internationally. So we have a lot of missionaries on the field, and one of those missionaries is a precious family who uh, went to Lima, Peru. They are Paul and Deanna Alvarez and their three kids. Precious, precious family. So we went there in uh, late June, and we just did whatever we could to help uh, whatever they needed. We helped them outreach to their local community. We helped them uh, uh, just... uh, be, uh, do, do a concert for their, uh, uh, just to draw people in and, and see what we're all about. And, uh, and it was just a marvelous time. We got to meet all kinds of uh, wonderful people. Peru is a beautiful place. Very strange, but beautiful place. Uh, the best way I can explain it is, if you're here in America, it's, it's like if Detroit meshed with San Diego. So you have, on the one hand, these marvelous uh, beachside resort kind of, uh, you know, with beautiful shops and salons and and then like one block over, it looks like a third world country, you know. So it's just an interesting place. They get no rainfall. Well, they get, I think, a tenth of an inch per year. But what they do get is like a mist that just sort of settles over the city. 
it's a it's a beachside city but it's on the top of like a mountain so it's like they don't get any rain it's the strangest thing but anyway all of that aside we went to lima and we just helped any way we could the church that was there the wonderful people that were there that we got to meet and just help and serve with so when we came home from that our hearts just there was something different in our hearts and so over time you know and and uh i kept doing the podcast even uh when we went i think i only uh i i let you know ahead of time hey i'll be out of the country so no episode next week came back kept doing episodes life went on but something was different in our hearts my wife and i so over the next few weeks after that our hearts just continually began to change and something was different and i couldn't put my finger on it a few weeks after we came back i don't know what triggered it exactly but it was as if god spoke to me and said i want you to tell your pastor that you're available now <laughs> anybody that knows my wife and i we've been in the same church for almost well i've been there for 20 years i've been at almost every event we've ever done concerts outreach church services revivals uh, haunted houses i mean uh dinners banquets whatever we did i've been at just about everything we've done in the last 20 years so for god to say that he wants me to be more available was a strange request except it wasn't i knew exactly what he meant now if you go back to the beginning of of this podcast you'll notice that i said something in the intro i thought when i was a young christian over 20 years ago that obviously i was supposed to be a preacher and uh it d- didn't take long for god to kind of nudge me in a different direction i think that had a lot to do with the amount of pride and vanity that was in my heart at that time you see i grew up in los angeles around the hollywood scene and my vision for my life growing up before knowing Jesus was to be a rock star. I was going to be a rock star. That was, you know, and I had joined a um a few different bands and I was the lead singer and um I was comfortable in front of an audience. Very comfortable. As a matter of fact, I thrived on it. And so of course I thought, "Oh, well, certainly I'm supposed to be a preacher." Well, right about uh 2000 oh 15 i remember taking a trip with our church <laughs> down to jacksonville florida we were going down there for a, a rally a, a local rally that was happening and uh the pastor who was preaching happened to be pastor joe campbell i remember he made a call for men who felt called to preach And I just remember in that rally it was like no no what am i thinking 
I'm not called to preach. Now, by this time, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I have two kids. I have three el- older children from a previous marriage, you know, and and uh, they're <laughs> wonderful kids. Uh, but they're but they're grown. They live uh, they live elsewhere. Uh, they're grown and out of the house. And so my wife and I have two young children at this time. And so when my wife married me, she thought she was marrying a preacher. And uh, only to find out at this rally several years down the road, after I haven't been a preacher this whole time, <laughs> that it was like God was dealing with me that he didn't want me to be a preacher, that he wanted me to do something else. So I said, okay, God, I'll do, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And it wasn't to be a preacher. I, I just knew it. You know how sometimes you don't hear an audible voice, but it's like it's on your heart and you know that you know that you know? It was like that. The still small voice, I guess, even though I didn't actually hear words formed. I just knew I'm not calling you to preach. I don't want you to be a, 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 a pastor. So I said, okay. God, you tell me what you want me to do. And I felt the impression very strongly that he wanted me to write. So this is very strange, right? Because this is not something you hear often, especially if you've been in uh, the fellowship that I'm a part of. Men are constantly standing up saying, God has called me to preach. And they know it in their heart of hearts, they know it. Oftentimes they've heard God tell them directly, I want to, I'm calling you to preach. So I began to evaluate other men that I knew who either were already preachers, pastors, or had uh, had been called and they knew that they were called. And I just kind of would sort of survey them, interview them a little bit. And they pretty much said and did the same things. They knew in their heart of hearts that they were called to preach. So they looked at life a certain way. Everything that they saw, everything that they experienced, everything that they read, everything they listened to, somehow became like a sermon illustration for them. Even if they were not already pastoring a church, they were getting ready, they're getting their lives ready to be a pastor of a church. And and so they were they were constantly writing sermons. And they were constantly just I mean studying and and uh listening to other sermons and they were I mean they were just in their word all the time studying 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 reading news articles trying to glean truth from all these places to put into sermons. And that wasn't me. I knew in that rally down in Jacksonville that that had never been my experience and that God was not calling me to do that. But he had given me this this other weird trait. So I told you that uh, I thrived in front of an audience. And so that would have been detrimental if I started to preach the gospel and I still had that rock star mentality. So, God started dealing with me to write, and beyond that, he began to inspire me to write. All of a sudden, I had all these ideas, 
not for sermons, but for stories. And so I started writing them down. And through that, he wanted, uh, I, I knew that he wanted me to not only write, but to publish. And that what I published would end up funding other people to go out and to preach. I mean, this is, this is the vision that he gave me. Okay, I'll do it. So I start writing. Now, <laughs> writing is hard. Let me just put it this way. I heard a great analogy uh, that, that hopefully explains it to you. So there was, a, there was an author and a brain surgeon. They were good friends. And one day, the brain surgeon said, you know, I've been working hard. <laughs> Did a, been doing a lot of brain surgery here lately. And I'm just tired. So I think I'm going to take a, a vacation, you know, six weeks. And in that six weeks, I'm going to write a book. And the author says, wow, that's amazing. I'm also very tired. And I'm going to take a vacation for six weeks. And during that time, I'm going to practice brain surgery. So what I'm saying is writing is not easy. I mean, go to a Barnes and Noble or any bookstore and just look. I mean, the shelves are filled with books and you pick them up and you read them and you just think, oh, yeah, this person wrote. It's a difficult, difficult, time consuming process. To become a good writer is hard, hard work. So I began to take this up. I began to take classes. I began to read books on writing. I began to practice writing. And um, eventually I uh, I said, okay, uh, you know, I tried to send out books to, uh, to uh, uh, get, you know, a, a publisher. Publishing, I mean, I got crickets. I got nothing. I, I think I got one rejection letter. A lot of authors say, yeah, I sent out all these, all these uh, proposals and I got 150 rejection letters, you know, and now I line my, you know, I, I line my bathroom wall with, uh, you know, like wallpaper with all my rejection letters now that I'm a famous author, you know, best-selling author. I think I got one rejection back and it was an email. They just ignore you. They don't even bother writing you back anymore. <laughs> So, so then I, so then I said, you know what? I think God wants me to self-publish. So, so I began pursuing that. I started, I mean, and I'm taking this seriously, y'all. Okay. I, um, I looked at what, I looked into what do you have to do to become an author? Well, you need a website. Duh. Got to have a place for people to come to your store to buy your books. Most books now are electronic. Where do you buy electronic things? On the internet. So, built a website. I've never built a website. Okay, so I put uh, I put time and energy and money into the in, into that. Um, like I said, I, I bought books on on writing and I bought um, editing software and and writing software and publishing software and all of these things. I'm I'm putting money into this, right? So, I get. My, uh, I, I get my first book done. I, I let a couple people read it. They, you know, say, eh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so I said, all right, that's fine. Uh, one of the rules of publishing is thou shall 
not publish thy first book first. So I got, I got that bad writing out of my system. I wrote another book, which was also pretty darn bad. Got that out of my system. And, uh, and I, uh, then I wrote uh, A Desperate Soul, which was basically season one of this podcast. So A Desperate Soul is what I was going to publish first. But you know what? You can't just, you can't just expect people to just line up and buy your book. Hey, everybody, I've got a book. And then people just line up and no, that's not the way it works. People want to know that what you have to offer is good. It's like if you, if you uh, walk by one of those, uh, you know, teriyaki places or Chinese food places in the mall, they got somebody standing out front with little pieces of, of uh, meat on a toothpick, right? A sample. So people want a sample, right? So I put together a, a novella, which to this day is available for free on my website. If you go there, you sign up and free novella. Okay, uh, it's called Safe House. So I finish A Desperate Soul and it's like, okay, time to, time to publish this thing. Yeah, time to publish. I uh, gotta, gotta have it edited. Hundreds of dollars to have it edited. Gotta get somebody to write the back cover blurb. Hundreds of dollars for somebody to do that. You, ju- you can't just do it on your own. It's, it, you're too close to the story. You gotta get a professional. Book cover. Again, a couple hundred bucks for book cover design and things like that. So, I mean, this is an expensive undertaking. So, to this day, I still have yet to publish this book. And I've got other books lined up behind it, like the one I've been uh, presenting to you week by week, up until about a month ago. Uh, the heart speaks so i've got these books like in the hopper and ready to ready to have them edited and then eventually published and then we went to peru and then we came back from peru and then god starts moving on my heart and i can't put an exact date on it but he says i want you to be more available and i want you to tell your pastor okay so I talked to my wife and she's like, what does that mean? I said, I, I don't know. And she says, uh, do you think it means that we might, that you and I might go plant a church somewhere or take over a church somewhere, like be pastors? You know, I said, I don't know, but I'm willing. Now, if you know me, that's huge because I've been adamant for many years. God did not call me to preach in the same sense that he's called all these other people I know to preach. They were sure of it. And you know what? If you're called to be a uh, preacher, that's what you got to do. You don't do anything else. Yeah, you got to work a job to support your family and feed your kids and stuff. But you do that while you build your ministry. And eventually the end goal is to go full time as, as as a pastor, to live off the gospel. So... I was adamant, that's not what God's called me to do, so I'm not pursuing that. Well, now it's like, hey, I want you to be available. Okay, we're available. Even if it means being a pastor, look, we just want to do the will of God. So I go to my pastor. I tell him, listen, this is what God's laid on my heart. He wants us to be more available, and we're willing. And he's like, 
okay, well, there's a need. Okay, well, I said, look, we're, we're, we're willing to do anything. If you tell me uh, the need is that you want me to stay right here in this church and just serve and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, start up a new Bible study or uh, lead the cleaning ministry. We need somebody to be in charge of cleaning the, the bathroom stalls. No problem. I'm, we are willing. We'll do whatever. Or if you tell me we really need to uh, 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 launch a new church into another part of this city or into a different city or into a different state or to a different nation, we're willing. So my pastor's like, really? I said, we just want to do the will of God, whatever it is. And we trust your judgment. You you tell us what you want us to do and, and we'll do it. So he's like, wow, okay. Now, we had a Bible conference coming up. This was at the uh, end of September. So just a few weeks ago, we're in that Bible conference. And he says, hey, hey uh, my pastor, you're still, you're still willing, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go talk to my pastor, which happens to be Joe Campbell, the one who was preaching all those years ago in Jacksonville and said, if you're called to preach, you know, he made the call for men who were called to preach and God told me no. So he said, I'm going to go talk to him and see what he has to say. Okay, cool. So we're in that Bible conference and who stands up, who, who, uh, who's on the schedule to preach? Our friend uh, from Lima, Peru, Pastor Paul Alvarez. While he's preaching, which was an absolutely outstanding sermon that he preached, by the way, he makes this statement. He says, you know, we're missionaries in Lima, Peru, but God never spoke to me and told me to go to Lima. We were just available. And before that, we were missionaries in China, right up until... The COVID pandemic kicked every missionary out of China. But God never told me to go to China. We were just available. And before that, we were pastoring in Houston, Texas. But God never told me to go to Houston, Texas. We were just available. That's been our lives. We've never heard the voice of God say, I want you to go to this city. And he said we were just available. And right at that moment, it was such confirmation for us. We're just available. That's all. So my pastor comes to me and says, listen, we think it's time for us to plant a church. And uh, we think it would be good to just stay right in town here. You know, we're, I'm in Virginia Beach. And he says, Virginia Beach is huge. In case you don't know, Virginia Beach is a massive plot of land. And we have more people than metropolitan Atlanta. So we have about half a million people. Now, if you take the entire city of Atlanta, all the all the vicinity, all the suburbs attached to Atlanta, sure, it's got more people. But if you just take metropolitan Atlanta, downtown, Virginia Beach has more people. So we're a big city, okay? I think we're number 26 in the U.S. We have more people than Baltimore. We have more people than uh, Richmond. Uh, we have more people than, gosh many cities in, in the in the U.S., many quote-unquote big cities, capital cities. Virginia Beach has more people. We're the most populous city in Virginia. So he says, listen, there, uh, there's, we think there's a need to, uh, to plant a church on the other side of the city, a place where we don't touch. It's too far away from us. 
but it's still within city limits. You guys willing? And we said, of course. So, <laughs> all that to say, that's what's been going on. So, we're, uh, I don't know exactly when this is going to happen, but at some point in the very near future, my wife and I are going to start a baby church. That might be in our house, that might be in a park, <laughs> that might be in a building. We don't know. At this point, we're just like, we're, we'll do whatever God tells us to do. We're just living by faith here. <laughs> so it's an exciting time for us. But now you might be asking, okay, that's all great, Dave, but what about this podcast? Well, I also have a very strong sense that God wants me to finish what he started in me. Finish, to, to, finish the, to finish this out. So I'm going to finish The Heart Speaks. And if he tells me to do more than that, I'll do more than that. Um, because I'm not sure if we're going out to start this church in the next six days, weeks, or months. <laughs> it could be half a year. It could be a month. I, I don't know. So I'm just going to finish what I started because uh, I, I feel that he wants us to do that. And I'm also going to um, publish A Desperate Soul before we before we uh, uh, go out to, to plant a church. How that's going to happen, I don't know. But I think it might have to do with Kickstarter. <laughs> so more to follow on that. Anyway, thank you so, so, so much for listening and um you're gonna see released episodes to sort of make up for the time that was missed over the last month and so i just once again so appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast to subscribe to download uh to review it to rate it you guys have just i mean it's been such a humbling experience I'm just so grateful. My wife and I were so grateful. And um, more to follow (laughs) on this uh, adventure that God has us on. And so that's all I have for this little chat. Please, uh, if you got any feedback for me, send it to uh, info at davesmail.com. Or you can drop it in the podcast app of your choice under the review tab. Uh, leave us a leave us a review. I'm currently accepting all five star reviews and nothing less. I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, and just let me know. Let me know uh, what you think about what I've just laid out to you tonight. Anyway, God bless you, and thank you.